David Brainerd said, We should always look upon ourselves as God's servants placed in God's world to do his work and accordingly labor faithfully for him, not with a design to grow rich and great, but to glorify God and to do all the good we possibly can. David Brainerd died at the age of 29 as a missionary to the Indians in Delaware, to the Delaware Indians in, in New Jersey, and he was a young man who struggled with depression, and the only reason that we know those words that he wrote in his diary was because he had someone in, who brought him into his house, encouraged him, and was with him when he died and they took his diary and they published it and the life and the diary of David Brandard has been used for over 300 years to send many missionaries across the world. He was encouraged and we should always look upon ourselves as God's servants placed in God's world to do his work and accordingly labor faithfully for him, not with a design to grow rich and great, but to glorify God and to do all the good we possibly can do. Those are words that we need to know, and those are words that we know because someone was encouraged that they got out. And in a day and a time when social media had to remind people this weekend not to, it's against their rules to celebrate and hope for someone to die, we need to be people of encouragement. And we need encouragement. And placed in the proclamations of Scripture and the, and the practice of the Christian faith is the necessity of encouragement. First Thessalonians 4 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. First Thessalonians 5.11 said, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Why do we need to encourage each other? Because, as Chris mentioned, there is an evil one. There is Satan, and we are up against spiritual forces of evil, as Ephesians 6 says. And Satan, he wants to divide us. He wants to discourage you. He wants to deflate you. And if possible, he would like to dismember the church and separate people and divide people and individuals. This is what he desires to do. And one of the things that helps not let that happen is that if we are encouraging each other. And Scripture gives us multiple individuals who through the pages of Scripture, they encouraged someone that then God later used that someone to move us to where we are today. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and 11 says this. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said, So that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything, I do not seek my own Advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Or follow me as I follow Christ. Because he wanted to put people in courage. He wanted to give them courage. In Romans 14, Paul also said in verses 7 and 8, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live 
We live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Where did Paul, the apostle, who wrote those words that God has given us from Scripture, where did he get those ideas from? Where did he get, follow me as I follow Christ? Where did he get that we don't live for ourselves but we, and we don't die to ourselves? Where did he first hear those things? He was a persecutor of the church. Where was it that he may have first heard these ideas and thoughts where he was encouraged so that he could put others in courage? I would suggest that he heard those ideas of faith from the one who came alongside him. The one who gave him courage when he needed it. And that was the man, Barnabas. And the, the book of Acts talks about this guy named Barnabas. And this morning, we're just going to look real practically at the kind of encourager that Barnabas was, the call of encouragement that Barnabas would give, and the, just the complete encourager that we all need. The, the kind of encourager Barnabas was. The book of Acts is the story of the church. Jesus has died, he's risen. The first parts of Acts show Jesus ascending. The church begins. It's a small group together praying, about 120 of them. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes, things start to explode, and people are accepting Christ all over the place. Thousands are getting added to the church. Hundreds are getting added to the church all over. Things are going extremely well. Things are moving. In Acts chapter 4, we first meet this guy named Barnabas. And it says in Acts chapter 4, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and a great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The early church was, this was a unique time. People were together. They were sharing everything in common. Things were going well. And all of a sudden, as they were doing this, there was this guy named Joseph, who was a Levite, so he had come to Christ from Cyprus, who was from the largest island in the Mediterranean, and clearly he was wealthy because he was a landowner. And as he was living life, becoming a follower of Christ, his life was radically changed. And he decided, hey, I'm going to sell this field of mine. I'm going to take all the money from that and give it to help other people. And they had such a love for this guy, Joseph, who was just such a character that they couldn't, they just loved Joseph being around, that they said that that guy is just the son of encouragement. He is an encourager. That, that's what they called him. That became his nickname. He was Barnabas, son of encouragement. And this is what he did. And as the early church moved, we were going to see numerous places where Barnabas was this, this man of encouragement. But what kind of encouragement did Barnabas give? I mean, everybody knows 
that we're supposed to encourage people. I have heard more in the last six months from the world about, hey, we need to be together in things. We need to encourage each other. We all know that we should encourage each other, but this is not a natural type of encouragement that just comes naturally that Barnabas was given. It was a unique, grace-gripped encouragement that changed this man, Joseph, so that they called him Barnabas. I mean, you can see things all over today about encouragement that people share. They, they would say things like, uh, uh, everything, hey, everything's going to work out. Everything will work out fine. Um, this too shall pass. You're worthy of great things. Just little shots in the arms that we can all give naturally come to people. We, we, we like those things. But there is a secular type of encouragement that we can naturally give. And then there is a Christian type of encouragement. Even in those three ones that I just mentioned, hey, everything will work out. Really? But as Christians, we can say, God will work out all things together for our good. You know, people will say, well, this too shall pass, trying to encourage someone. Well, scripture would say, Christian encouragement would say, you know, your earthly troubles will pass, but they're nothing compared to what is prepared for us in glory. People will say, hey, you're worthy of great things. You can do this. But Christian encouragement would say, you're invited to do great things for God. There is a difference between general encouragement and the kind of encouragement and the kind of encourager that Barnabas was and the kind of encourager and the kind of encouragement that I'm calling us to be as the people of God, the content of his encouragement was found in Acts 11. When it said about this man, Barnabas, Joseph, who, who they called now Barnabas, says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. What made Barnabas' encouragement different? What made him such an encourager was these things, that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of faith, which means he had faith. He, he was putting his life in dependence on God. He was trusting God for what he was going through. He was full of the Holy Spirit, which means he was allowing his life to be directed to the things of God. Whatever God wanted, Barnabas was going to let God do through him. He was willing to do that, and he was good, which means he dispensed his life for the glory of God. He was extremely generous with his life. It was no longer his life anymore. It was Christ living in him. And that change, that fullness of faith, depending and trusting on God, being full of the Holy Spirit, directing your life to the things of God, and being good, dispensing your life for the glory of God, being generous, that changes the kind of encouragement and the kind of encourager you're going to be. What drives the counsel and encouragement that comes out of your mouth? Is it culture and all the things you think you're just everybody can say? Or is it the encouragement that would come from Christ? But if Barnabas was here this morning, what would he say to us? What would the call of encouragement that Barnabas would give? I think if I called Barnabas up here this morning, I think he would come up here, his demeanor would be calm, he'd be clear, and there'd be something about Barnabas that would be extremely contagious. 
Because we'd have a man walk up here who his whole concern for his life would be to move people to Jesus Christ. So much so that that would, just, that would have oozed out of him and it would just be so, and be so encouraging. That's what I want us to do for the next few minutes is to look, and I'm going to say, pretend that Barnabas had been called up here to say, hey, here's, here's the call that Barnabas would give to us. And we're going to look at the four areas in Acts where he's mentioned and the stories of where he's highlighted and see from those things, what would, what would he say to us? What would he say about being an encourager? Acts chapter 4, we just looked at, it's the situation that we first meet him. Things in the church are moving. People are coming to faith. People are getting saved. They're trusting Christ. And, and people are taking care of other people. And Barnabas is this wealthy man who's got a field in Cyprus, possibly, that he said, you know what? There's needs that people can be met. I think I'm going to sell this land and go give it all away. And he does. And he's the example of generosity. And he would say to us, so much so that it so impressed other people that Ananias and Sapphira, right after that, they saw it, remember? Saw what Barnabas did. And they sold land, but they kept part of it for themselves. And they both died because of it. But Barnabas was not this kind of guy. He, he, he just saw a need, and he said, I'm, I'm just going to sell my land, and I'm going to give it all. I'm going to be extremely generous. And it was extreme encouragement. I think if Barnabas was here, he would say to us, hey, take the time to encourage, because encouragement is timeless. This, isn't a, this is a big deal what he did. First of all, he didn't have to sell the land. Second of all, he was under no obligation to sell the land or to give it all away. But the same guy who wrote the book of Acts is the same guy who wrote the book of Luke. And they were written to Theophilus. And if you read Luke and if you read Acts together, you'll notice all the way through that Luke takes a hit constantly challenging rich people all over the place. Hey, don't live for your wealth. Don't live for riches. All through Luke's gospel and into Acts, we see the call about rich people and how they deal with money and how God wants us to live our lives. And when jo Joseph, or Barnabas, was a rich guy, he had land, and he decides to sell it, which he didn't have to, which, he, which means this, he, he weighed it. He weighed the cost. He says, it's, it's of more value to me to give up my money to serve other people because that's going to have long-term effects. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where wrath and we're on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Barnabas, Joseph, he, he counted the cost. He said, you know what? If my life's really going to have value, I'm going to live it generously and lay it up for other people. This was no small thing that he did to give up his wealth. But he would say, hey, take the time to encourage wealthy people who live in the West because that type of encouragement is timeless. And the next time we meet Joseph or Barnabas is in Acts chapter 9. And through the story of Acts, the church is moving Stephen, one of the, the, the first disciples, gets 
killed for sharing the gospel. This young man named Saul's watching it, and he loves it. And he, he, he sees these Christians going, following the way, and he's against it. And Saul, it says in Acts chapter 9, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest asking letters, let me go capture Christians. Let me throw them in prison. Let me see them get crushed. And as he goes, all of a sudden he's walking on this road to Damascus, and Jesus meets him. And he hears Jesus talk to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, Jesus, he says, what do you want, Lord? And Saul trusts Christ and becomes the Apostle Paul. And nobody believes him. He goes into Damascus trying to preach the gospel, and nobody believes him. He gets thrown, put down on the side of a basket to escape because they want to kill him. And he runs to Jerusalem, and it says in Acts chapter 9, Verse 26, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. This was the guy who was trying to crush Christianity. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. If Barnabas was here today, he would say, take the time to encourage, because encouragement's timeless. And he'd also say, see potential instead of just problems in people. Nobody believed that the Apostle Paul had turned to Christ. They thought this was sometimes a conspiracy. He was going to infiltrate them. But there was one guy, one guy who was full of the Holy Spirit, saw the change in his life, but Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles. He he took his whole reputation as being the encourager to the church and was willing to give it up because he believed who Paul was. It just takes one person. One person who would say, you know what, I'm going to take him in. You know how many people may come to Christianity or would have come to Christianity if they'd walked into churches and they were a little different looking, talked a little obnoxiously, talked a little oddly, and that just one person would have taken them in. Or they'd have said, we, I, I love Jesus now, and, and, and the people would have like, well, you don't love him the way we were, we're, you're supposed to love him yet. Barnabas would have taken them in. Barnabas would say to us, see potential in people instead of just problems. And the next place we meet Barnabas is in Acts chapter 11. Things were happening in the church. It exploded. It went up into Cyprus and up into Antioch. And the early church wanted to see what was going on, so they sent Barnabas to go check it out. And it says, And the hand of the Lord was this was with him in verse 21, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of, the, of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And then it says, for he was a good man. So in verse 25, so Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul. 
And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. If if Barnabas was with us today, he would say, take the time to encourage, because encouragement is timeless. See potential in people instead of just problems. And he would say, make meetings happen and make it to meetings. Which I know, in our day right now, we have to be very careful how we do that. But Barnabas was a guy who was willing to leave where he was at, see what was going on with Jesus Christ. Then he went down to meet with Saul and said, hey, come back with me so we can meet with these people to help them grow in their faith. The meeting together of the people of God is extremely important. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As All the more as you see the day drawing near. Barnabas would say to us, Listen, lives are changed when people get together, when people meet together. So make meetings happen and make it to meetings. When we are in this season right now where we can't meet as freely as we want to or desire to, we can still meet and you can still make meetings happen by texting someone. You can still make meetings happen by saying, hey, you want to get together and study the Bible together? We can gather together when we can gather together. Barnabas would say that this is how the church grows. This is important. And then Acts chapter 15, one of the last accounts of Barnabas in Acts. Paul and Barnabas have taken off across these missionary journeys. Great things have happened. Hundreds of people have come to faith. Things have been good for the church. And the Apostle Paul comes to Barnabas and says, Hey, this number of years have passed. Let's go back to the churches that we started. Let's see how they're doing. And Barnabas says, That's a great idea. Let's go back and see how things are going. And Barnabas says, Hey, I'm gonna take my I want to take my cousin John Mark with me. And Paul doesn't think that's a good idea. And Acts 15 says, and After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return, in verse 36, and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having commanded by the brothers of the grace of the Lord. These two guys who love Jesus, Barnabas the encourager, knows that his cousin John Mark had, had went on a, started on a missionary journey and kind of bailed. He, he had a tarnished reputation as far as the Apostle Paul was concerned. And Paul didn't think he, was, he should go with them. They have a huge confrontation huge argument over it and they so much so that they separate from each other barnabas takes john mark and they go one way and paul and silas go the other way and the bible never says 
either one of them was wrong. But I think because Barnabas was an encourager, I think if he was standing here, he would say to us, care for those who are tarnished because it's worth the cost. It would have been very easy for Barnabas just to go with Paul, have a, have a travel back to all the good days, all the good times. But he saw something in John Mark that he knew could be developed. He knew that he'd messed up. Sure, he messed up. But he knew God wasn't done with him yet. And so Barnabas gave up his reputation, gave up his traveling partner, his friend, because he wanted to reach out for this tarnished Christian in John Mark. That's encouragement. Barnabas was singing the song the Toy Story has sang for years. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. He lost other friends, but he was more concerned about his friend coming to Jesus Christ or being drawn closer to Christ that he would say, yeah, I know you're tarnished, but it's worth the cost. Barnabas, I think, would say those things to us. And then I think he would say, that's enough about me. That's enough about me. Tell him about Jesus. Because there's a complete encourager that we all need. And he'd look at me and he'd say, remember? Remember Galatians? Before you're done telling them about how great I am, tell them about Galatians. And then tell them about Jesus. Because we all need this complete encourager. Because in Galatians chapter 2, the great encourager Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit, full of God, was in a situation where the Apostle Paul was in Galatians with the church, and some conflicts had come up. And the conflict had risen so much that it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 13, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. The great encourager of the church, the great, the great man full of the Holy Spirit, even he got himself in a situation where he, he got led away and started walking into the hypocrisy of others. And Barnabas would say, Encourage others, but there's a complete encourager that we all need, and the best news is that is Jesus. That, that's where we all are. We need people in this church to take the time to encourage because it's timeless. We need as a church to see potential in people and not just problems. We as a church need to make meetings happen and make it to meetings. We as a church need to care for the tarnished because it's worth the cost of doing that, but we as a church also need to see that we are not perfect in that. And that still does not need to stop us from being an encourager. Our sins can distract us away. You can get in a situation where you're like, I, I want to encourage. I, I want to I have a life full of faith, but I'm still stuck on this sin. I'm still stuck on this. I, I can't do it. And I feel like a hypocrite when I'm trying to reach out to other people. That is a lie from Satan because of what Jesus said and who Jesus said he is. And 400 years ago, John Bunyan wrote a story about this, the author of the Pilgrim's Progress, in that same scenario where you feel like, I can't reach out. I love to reach out. 
But every time I start to reach out, I, I screw up. I, I fail. I, I sin. I get caught up in something again. God can't use me. Barnabas was brought very low. And this is what, this is what we need to know. When we walk up and say those things or we hear those lies in our hearts, this is, this is what we say. You say, no, no, wait. We say very cautiously, approaching Jesus, you, you, speaking to him, you, you don't understand. I've really messed up in all kinds of ways. I know, Jesus responds. You know, most of it, sure, certainly more than what others see, but there's perversity deep down inside me that's hidden from everyone. I know it all, Jesus says. Well, the thing is, it just isn't my past. It's my present, too. I understand, Jesus says. But I don't know if I can break free of this anytime soon. Well, that's the only person I'm here to help, Jesus says. The burden's heavier and heavier all the time. Then let me carry it. It's too much to bear. Not for me, Jesus says. You don't get it. My offenses are directed towards others. They're against you. Then I'm the one most suited for to forgive them, Jesus says. But the more of the ugliness in me, we say, you discover, the sooner you'll get fed up with me. And Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. The, the good news for us is that we have got a friend in Jesus. In Jesus, you've got a friend in him. And what we are called to do as a church is to be haulers of encouragement and hope to other people. The question is not just who you should encourage this week, but the question is how many could you give courage to by encouraging them through the power of the Holy Spirit? David Brainerd said, glorify God and do all the good that we can possibly do. And because of the good news of Jesus, in our own sin, in our own hypocrisy, in our own discouragement, we have a friend in him that we can keep coming back to, keep coming back to. And he's going to give us the courage to be the encourager that he wants us to be. Oh, mm-hmm.